Let me ask you this question. What are you afraid of? I see the guys straightening up a little bit in their chairs, right? And I'm not afraid of nothing. <laughs> but what are you afraid of? Um, it's the funniest thing sometimes that kind of catch you off guard. If we go back, uh, I don't know, 14 years ago maybe, I, I, I think I told this story not too long ago when Solomon came up to me one day on the job site and said, hey, can you help with, can I like Bible camp this summer? I said, well, maybe I'll pray about it. When does it start? And he said, we need you tonight. I was like, oh. So I was okay though. I thought, you know, I'm, I can handle that. You know, talked it over with Sarah, was gonna be there. So I showed up for, for dinner at five or 5.30, walked into the dining room back there, and then the fear set in. <laughs> I thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into? I'm not prepared for this, I'm not ready for this, I'm not equipped for this. These kids are, this, I'm in over my head. Uh, and, and as funny as, as the years went on, we, we, I participated every year, and even as Sarah and I became camp directors, that first day of anticipation, you know, I just had a, a sense of, you know, I would say, oh, I was just a little bit nervous, you know, I was just, there was a level of anticipation. But listen to this definition of fear. A, fear is a range of emotion from unease to dread. Right, that, that sense of unease. He said, I'm just a little nervous. Why are you nervous? Because you're, there's an unknown maybe. You're, you're afraid, you're not certain of the outcome. Um, it's, a, it's a worry or concern that something bad or unpleasant is going to happen. Uh, so we, we, we understand that fear triggers um, in, in us often this fight or flight reflex that we, we, we learned in, in school. Um, we, in how this happens in, like a, in a person, we're not talking about a life or death situation, but we sometimes will lash, or, or lash out in a rash way. Uh, sometimes we retract in within ourselves to, to hide or to, to uh, flight uh, side of things. We want to avoid dealing with the situation. Pastor Darrell, you'll appreciate Zig Ziglar's um, definition for fear. He said it actually has two meanings and you get to choose which meaning applies to you. Forget everything and run. It's an acronym. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. So you get to choose. So what's causing you a sense of unease or dread in your life this morning? Could be a rocky relationship could be a financial concern, could be a health concern, uh, maybe some sort of family issue, maybe there's a big decision that you've gotta make in the near future. And so we're gonna, we're gonna take a few weeks and we're gonna be in the book of Joshua. You could turn there, we'll be in Joshua chapter one this morning. And uh, we're gonna talk, be talking about uh, this morning, courage to tackle big obstacles. I don't know what your big obstacle is this morning, but often in life we face big obstacles. Maybe you're like, man, I'm in cruise control right now. Things are pretty good. Well, just take some notes. You might need it in the future. Life tends to act in such a way that we, we have times when we have things that cause fear, unease towards dread in our life. 
And the people of Israel here in Joshua certainly had some monumental challenges in front of them. They're on the banks of the Jordan River, uh, they have the promised land in front of them, and they have some major obstacles that even the strongest person might have had doubt, concern, worry, or even fear. And so we are, um, I think I've got, I need to number my pages. So they're here on the, on the banks of the Jordan River, and this, this people have spent the last 40 years together in the wilderness. And uh, this, this, uh, the previous generation who had arrived on the banks of the Jordan River and decided this is, this is too big of an obstacle, we can't do this, that whole generation had passed away. Um, and, they, um, and they were, uh, this new generation had risen up, Joshua was their leader. Now Joshua had been a leader under Moses. Uh, he was one of uh, Moses' commanders. He had actually gone up onto Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law. Joshua was one of the spies that had gone in. He was one of the spies that gave the good report with Caleb so that we could do this. Um, but uh, eventually Joshua was chosen by God to succeed Moses. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 14 says, the Lord said to Moses, behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went, presented themselves in the tent of meeting. Uh, just a little bit further down in that chapter, verse 23 of Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them, and I will be with you. We'll see these verses again, or a similar challenge, a similar promise to Joshua here in a minute. So these people had been through the wilderness, been through 40 years together, and, and Sarah mentioned uh, in the announcements, when you do life together, you get to know the people that you're around, and you have um, a shared experience that, it, that can be very powerful. It's, it's very, um, powerful even if the Lord teaches you something as a person, but when a group of people go through something together, there is, um, there is community that's built, there's trust that's built, there's a sense of belonging that's built. And so these, these Israelites that are on the banks of the Jordan River with Joshua, they've learned some things together. They've learned to trust God to provide for them. 40 years in the wilderness eating manna that the Lord provided every day. The scripture says their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. Uh, when, they were, when they were tired of the manna, the Lord provided meat for them to eat. There was always water for them to drink. They had learned that God was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. They had also learned to trust God to protect them. Uh, as, a, as a people, they had fought m many battles together. We talk about... Uh, doing, finishing three weeks of camp, in some ways that was a battle that we just went through together. And the people of Israel had fought against the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Moabites, and they learned to trust God for the victory in the battles that they faced. They also learned as a group to trust God for revelation. God gave them the Ten Commandments, he gave them the law through Moses at the beginning of the 40 years, and then they learned to follow God following the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. And God spoke to Moses and the people learned it was in their best interest 
to follow Moses as he followed God. There was difficulty, uh, there, was, there was joy, uh, but they, they went through those things together as a people. And so as we come to the book of Joshua, they're on the banks of the Jordan River, they've experienced the mighty hand of God in their lives over many years, and they are ready for a new challenge. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna read the first uh, nine verses here of Joshua chapter one. Lord, we're just uh, thankful to be here this morning. We're thankful for your word. Uh, We're thankful that in your word, you give us wisdom, you give us instruction, you give us hope. Uh, Lord, we need all of those things when we are facing big challenges in life. And so Lord, as we look into your word this morning, would you uh, show us what we need to face the challenges in front of us? Lord, show us uh, what we need to uh, be of courage instead of uh, being in fear. Uh, Lord, and we just ask that you, would, uh, that you would teach us this morning. Lord, for the Columbia team, uh, we ask that you would work through them today as they minister, uh, and in the, in the week to come, give them safety, give them great opportunities uh, to share your love, to teach your word, and to be a help of, to, the, to the church there. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read it together, Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, and you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Boy, I wish that uh, when I had a big obstacle or a major challenge in front of me that God was as direct and clear to me as he was with Joshua right here. Uh, so often as we, as we face a challenge, we don't know what the outcome is gonna be. Harold and Judy, when they drove down to Florida this weekend, they didn't know what the outcome was gonna be and maybe they still don't with their grandson. Uh, and, and sometimes, boy, wouldn't it be nice if God would just tell us? And we see uh, here in these first few verses, God makes it clear to Joshua what the outcome is going to be. In verse 2, he says, uh, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them. He says it right there. 
You're gonna go into this land, I am giving it to you. I'm giving it to the people. Uh, Verse three uh, says this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. He just tells them straight up, this is your land. You're gonna go across the river and it will be yours. If your foot walks on it, it will be yours to have. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Think about that, no matter where you went or what you did, you would have victory, you would have success. I don't, I don't think I'm, uh, that, that, I couldn't handle that. I make too many bad decisions to say that I would have success in those things. But the Lord had his hand on the life of Joshua, on the life of these people. And it's clear that it was God that had already done the work. God was promising to them what would be. This will be your land. I am giving it to you. Where you put your foot, it will be yours. You will have success. Nobody will stand against you. Now, as we read these verses, they are specific promises to a specific people at a specific time. We're not gonna walk away this morning and say, no matter where I go, when I leave here, I will have success everywhere, every, every opportunity I step into, everything that I try, God's gonna give. That's not what these verses are saying. These were very specific to Joshua and the people of Israel. But there are some principles that we can take from, from these verses today, and it says, It is the Lord that fights our battles. It is the Lord that gives us victory. The victory wasn't promised to Joshua because of his skill or because of his strategy or because of his valor. It was given to him because this was what God was doing in the lives of the nation of Israel. And this was a lesson that the people of Israel were learning, would learn, and would continue to learn throughout their history. And we're gonna just look at a couple of those verses. Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 13, Moses had brought the people to the, to the Red Sea. They had left e- Egypt. They were uh, on, their, on their way. And uh, of course, the Egyptian army was following from behind. And Moses said to the people, where was the victory gonna come from? Moses says, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. It it was the Lord that won the battle for the Israelites. David, as a shepherd boy before he was king, was already learning uh, learning this, and and, um, I think I've got uh, two extra verses than what I gave uh, the media team, but Um, In 1 Samuel 17, verses 45, and we'll read through 47, this is what David said to uh, Goliath as he faced Goliath, knowing where the victory was coming from. David said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This is where the victory comes from, uh, David knew. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth for this reason that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. David knew that the victory would come from God, not from his own skill or his own wit or his own ability. King Hezekiah, in years to come, after, this, after the book of Joshua, um, Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army, and they were outnumbered, but he put his faith and his trust in God, and this is what he told the people in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse eight, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or dismayed, sounds like he might have heard that from somewhere before, uh, don't be dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with them, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. The Lord fights our battles for us. Proverbs 21, verses 32 through 31, not a specific situation, but a general uh, a summary of these specific situations. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can prevail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. God will give victory where and when it needs to be given. So that doesn't mean that we just summon God when we need him. Hey God, I got this going on. Can you just, can you just take care of this for me? He's not our genie in, in a bottle. But it also doesn't mean that we take a fatalist position and say, well, I can affect nothing, so I'll do nothing. We'll just, I just, I won't do anything. And we'll see that here uh, that Joshua made preparations for the battle even after God promised him victory. What it does mean is this, as we are facing obstacles, as we are dealing with issues in our lives, we're thinking about one, hopefully all of us, are, and maybe a lot of us have thought about something that we're dealing with, that we're afraid of, that we have some sort of unease or dread. We have this understanding that it is God who sees us through, even if the outcome isn't the one we were hoping for. So, as we jump into this this morning, what is our response when we are confronted with a big obstacle? Like, what are the instructions? What are we to do? How are we to respond? And this is what the Lord said to Joshua in chapter uh, one, verse six, be strong and courageous. This is the first instruction that God gives to Joshua, be strong and courageous. He's standing in front of the Jordan River. Uh, they, it was springtime, the banks were swollen. There seemed to be no way forward, and yet God says to be strong and courageous. It, it's actually given three times um, in, the, in the span of these four verses, so it's an important command. Be strong and courageous. So uh, be strong to, means to strengthen, to be resolute, to hold tightly, to, to grasp firmly. Be courageous. That, that Hebrew word actually could be uh, translated to be strong, uh, to be brave, to stand firm. All right, so to, the instruction here is hold tightly and stand strong. So I can, I, I can picture Joshua, if you will, if you're the commander of an army, 
and you say to, to your people, look, you need to uh, be strong and courageous. Hold tightly and stand strong. All right, if you're in that army, what are you gonna do? You're gonna check, make sure your shoes are on tight. You're gonna, you're gonna strap everything down tightly. You're gonna make sure your shield's strong and you just squeeze the, the uh, javelin, whatever. I don't know what you're carrying. Your weapon of choice, right? A sword. You're just like, you're just bracing yourself, being ready. Um, but that's not what God's talking about here. Yes, be strong. Yes, be courageous. But he doesn't say, Joshua's, the next instruction is not check to make sure your armor is ready. He says, be strong and courageous and obey God's word. Look at that in verse seven. Only be strong and very courageous. Hold tightly, stand strong. This is what you need to do. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, but obey what I've commanded you to do. Probably not what Joshua was expecting. Be strong and courageous. There's a battle coming. Make your preparations. But no, he says, be strong and courageous and obey what I've given you to do. And there's a, there's a promise here. Be careful to do according to all the law. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, that you might have good success wherever you go. We all have a different definition of success, don't we? We talked about that a little bit last week. Some people are, are, um, would, would say success is having a nice car in the driveway in a beautiful house. And others would say, I don't care about the house and the car, I wanna travel and see the world and experience. And others would say, I don't have to travel, I don't need the nice car and house, I'm gonna retire early, right? And probably most of us are trying to do all three at the same time. But we, we have different uh, definitions of the word success. But here's what God says about success. Obey what I've asked you to do and you will have success wherever you go. Avoid the distractions of the world and commit your ways to God. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you work a trade, or whether you've made your way up to the corner office, success is found in obedience to God. That means all of us can be successful. By the world's definition of success, some make it and some don't. But success according to God is available to everyone, it is found in being obedient to God's word. Now there's a prerequisite to being obedient to God's word. We have to know what it is. And that's the next thing that God says to Joshua and the people in verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then here's the promise of success again. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We can't be obedient to God's word if we don't know what God's word says. Pretty obvious, right? You can't expect your, your kids when you're raising them to do what you want them to do 
unless you tell them what you would like them to do. Unfortunately for us, God has told us what he wants us to do. And it says here that we should, it should be in our mouths. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. I'm looking at this word meditate, and it could be translated to mutter or to murmur. Dangerous. It's good, but it's dangerous. So I'm thinking of the ways that I mutter or I murmur. And so if I'm memorizing a verse, I, I kind of mutter or murmur my way through it. I don't know what you guys do, but if I'm memorizing this verse, I'm like, okay, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This book of the law shall not. And I'm trying to embed it into my mind, and I'm, I, I, I do uh, memory memorization out loud. I don't know what you do, but that's how I do it. Another time that I might, you might find me muttering or murmuring is if I'm working through a difficult problem in my mind. Okay, if I do this, then I could do that, and then that won't work. And you know, you know, you just kind of speak into yourself out loud. You're muttering, you're murmuring. And then the third way, I think I can admit this in church. When I'm angry or frustrated, I mutter and murmur. But this says that we should be muttering and murmuring God's word day and night. It should be on our lips, it should be in our minds, it should be on our, in our mouths, we should be speaking it all the time. We have a big obstacle, we have a big challenge in front of us, what does God's word say about it? Read that in the morning and mutter and murmur over that throughout the day. Uh, much better, might help you when you get frustrated, would for me. Philippians in chapter four says, finally brothers, thinking about our mind and what we're speaking and what we're thinking, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think upon such things. Mutter and murmur, meditate on God's word. It's not like a mindless exercise, just clear your mind. Meditation in a biblical sense is to fill our minds with God's word and to think on it. Should be in our minds, should be in our mouths. And then the fourth thing that God says is here in verse nine. Again, the, the command to be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a powerful truth. God is with me. God is with you. He's with us this morning as we worship him, as we look into his word. God with us, Emmanuel. Wherever we go, whatever we do, God is with us. Whatever the challenge is, the success is not in an outcome that is favorable to me or my wants and my desires. Success is found in obeying God's word, meditating God's word, and knowing that he is with us through whatever situation that we face. Psalm 139 verse seven says, where shall I go from your spirit? The answer's not there, but it's nowhere. Where shall I flee from your presence? I can't. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God 
is with us wherever we go. So you're thinking about an obstacle that you're facing or a challenge that you're facing or, or something that makes you a little bit uneasy, you're not sure about the outcome, how it's gonna turn out, which is the right way to go. We don't always know what the outcome will be, but there is a path through it. One is to be strong and courageous. Brace ourselves, be ready. It's not easy, but we get ready and we obey God's word. We do what the scripture says. Lots of times uh, when we face an obstacle, there is, there is truth in God's word that applies to the situation. And we just have to be resolute to say, yeah, whatever it is, I'm gonna obey God's word. I'm gonna meditate on his word. The peace and the comfort and the joy found in God's word helps us through these situations. And then we know that God is with us. When we're looking here in, in, in Joshua chapter one, this isn't the first time that the people of Israel were on the banks of the Jordan River. 40 years earlier, Joshua, Caleb, 10 other spies, uh, 10 other men were sent, the, the people were congregated there and these 12 men were spent, sent to spy out the land. And in Numbers chapter 13, there's the account and it says uh, in verse 17, Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, this is Joshua, Mos uh, Caleb, and 10 others, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country. See what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they're few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether the trees are in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So Bob and Elka know exactly what time of year it is. I don't, but they do. So they come back, 12, the 12 men, they come back. This is the report. We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And this, the account shows that they had a cluster of grapes so big that two men had to carry it between them on a pole. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amor... Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. He was strong and courageous. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. There were two spies, or excuse me, 12 spies. Two saw the fruit of the land and believed the promises of God. 10 of them saw the giants and doubted that God was able to do what he had promised that he would do. So I don't know what you're facing today, but I would encourage you, don't focus on the giant Focus on the fruit, focus on the promise of God. Be strong, be courageous, be re uh, ready, be brave, take action, take the necessary steps that you need to take for whatever it is you're facing today. 
know what God's word is, be willing to obey God's word, and most of all, know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you wherever you go. Why don't we bow in, in prayer? Lord, I do thank you for your word this morning. Lord, this passage of scripture is just so applicable to so many um, situations. Lord, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what each person's facing that's here this morning. Probably don't know what most people are facing. Uh, but Lord, I know that there's always health concerns, there's always family issues. Sometimes there's broken relationships. Sometimes there's problems at work. Sometimes there's financial issues. Lord, many things in life just give us reason to be uneasy. A reason, reason to, to not want to face what's coming next. But Lord, your word calls us to be strong and courageous. You call us to obey your word. You call us to know what it says. You call us to remember that you're with us. Lord, I pray that we would be uh, a people that lean into you when we face a major challenge. We wouldn't turn to the right or to the left from what you've, what you've given us instruction to do in scripture. That we would be bold and willing to, to do what you've called us to do. Maybe I'll just ask this morning, if you're, if you're facing something that uh, this morning that's, that's given you reason to fear. You got some sort of uneasiness in your life, maybe something even that you're dreading. I'm going to just invite you just to stand where you are. I want to pray specifically for you this morning. You don't have to come to the front. You could if you wanted to, to pray with somebody. Someone would meet you up front and pray. But if you just have something that's on your heart this morning, you're like, man, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm just concerned for, for where this is leading or how am I going to get through it. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for you specifically this morning. Lord, thank you for these ones that are, are standing this morning. Take strength and courage just to stand up and say, man, I'm in a tough spot. Take strength and, and courage to humble ourselves and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to intervene. And Lord, when we, when we, when we, when we say that, we say that with faith that you know what's best. Lord, sometimes things don't turn out the way that we would want it to. Things are outside of our control. We do everything that you ask us to do. We walk perfectly in obedience. We, we meditate on your word. We know that you're with us and it still doesn't turn out the way that we want it. But Lord, we have great confidence that you're in control. There's great assurance. There's great peace in knowing that you are with us wherever we go. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who's strong and courageous, willing to do what you call us to do. And Lord, we ask that you would work on our behalf because we know that any success in life, any victory in battle is because 
you have gone before us and you have seen us through. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son. We just pray these things in Jesus' name.